again, friends and fellow truth seekers. Mike Nicholas here with another episode of the Soul Unleashed podcast, where my goal is to help you break out of old paradigms, ask the right questions in your search for deeper meaning for your life, and help you shift from a spiritual skeptic to a free thinker. Let's dive in with today's adventure. Hello, friends. This podcast is going to be a little bit different than usual. Have you ever wondered about what happens to us after we die? I've talked about this in previous podcasts, so if you're listening to this, I'm sure you've probably wondered. But the whole concept, the theological concept of eschatology, deals with dying and what happens afterwards, judgment, whether or not we see Jesus or God, whether there's a heaven, whether there's a hell. And that process is something I've explored numerous times in some of these podcasts. What I want to do with this podcast, and there's one immediately after this, so it's kind of a two-part thing, but I wanted to present a little bit more balanced view and include the traditional Christian view of eschatology. You know, when I first started this podcast, my initial goal was to be talking to myself, my earlier self, from about three or four years ago. At that time, I was going through a spiritual awakening. I was questioning a lot of things all of which was accelerated by the passing of our son and the grief and sorrow involved in that caused me to look at and consider where his soul went and what kind of judgment he faced and the whole concept of where our soul is and what he was doing after he passed away. So I studied a lot and mostly through this podcast, I've offered to you perspectives of reality based upon some of these new concepts I've talked about. Uh, especially a concept called infinite possibilities or, you know, that our soul returns numerous times to this world, to this earth, uh, to be, uh, to learn, basically, to learn and to love. But that concept, of course, is not the only concept out there. And so I've invited two men, I've interviewed two men whom I know and respect, and they're classmates of mine from the military academy at West Point. The first interview is with Dr. Alan Getz. And Al has his own story, which he'll tell here in just a minute, but it's about his experience in a charismatic Christian church. And I asked him his perspective on a number of things that deal with this concept of eschatology and what happens to us when we die. So I'll let Al speak for that on his own. I just need to, I guess, apologize in advance a little bit because I only had a brief opportunity to speak with Al, and we had to do it outdoors. And so you're going to notice or hear some background noise. I hope that won't be too distracting and that you'll be able to hear what he's saying. But uh, we did have to talk. We did have to talk near uh, an air conditioner that was blowing. So I'm very pleased and happy to have Dr. Alan Getz join me today. And I, I make no decision or I make no comment on the things he says. I'm just very highly respectful of him and the things that he's done and accomplished and the kind of person he is. So I hope you'll pay attention for a little bit while he talks about it. Thank you. Here we go. So this is Mike Nicholas. I'm here with Al Getz, a friend and West Point classmate of mine. And we're just going to talk about some of his experiences and his perceptions about spiritual things. And frankly, I'm not sure where this is going to go, but I'd like to start with uh, Al introducing himself, kind of telling us about his background 
and especially from a, a religious or spiritual side. Uh, thank you. Uh, briefly, I'm a 67-year-old friend who uh, had the same experience with school, but grew up in a very rural part of the Midwest in a very old-fashioned Methodist church where it was hard to get excited about church as a child, you know. It was nothing but a piano and a six-member choir and that sort of thing. Did, did you go just on Sundays or Wednesdays, too? Just Sundays in, okay. in those days. But my comment of the art history as a fan was, as far as I know, there was no moment we didn't believe. My parents just brought us up to believe. I mean, the Bible's true, God is real, Jesus saved us. But... It wasn't a fire and brimstone relationship, you know. That was the understanding. We made it to church when we could. And uh, wouldn't say we had great ties with our church. Nor as a young person did I have this great drive to learn more. Went through a lot of places and schools like you went to and ended up back in Augusta, Georgia. And the fellow building our church, uh, building our house, invited us to their church. We didn't know anybody. Was this time. after you retired from the military, or you were still in the military? No, when we still in when we got assigned at Fort Worth. Okay, we were in a temporary housing, but he built us a house. And all we knew he was a great guy, and we met him at the bowling alley. <laughs> so we went uh, to his church, and it was just suddenly eye-opening with you know engaging music, you know, hands in the air, just. No one jump in the pews. I mean, not a crazy scene, but a type of worship that was captivating to me. I just, like, I, this is what I never saw before, but you wanted to feel and you wanted to see. About how old were you when that happened? I was probably 30 by then because I did med school and all that and got a really out of church in med school because you were studying all the time. And you were a doctor by then? I was, yeah. So... What did you do spiritually from the time that you left that community, the Methodist community, to the time that you had this experience? We're at West Point, and uh, was in chapel choir most of my four years there. I got kind of busy at the end, and I did not, I won't say I was in it all four years. But that was about it. I mean, going to, going to chapel on Sunday, singing in the choir. I was always a musician, as you know, and, and was drawn by the music as much as the message, which is the wrong reason to be in church, but that's what reason I was in church when I was 20 years old. Um, the little book I wrote, it's called Stay With The Music, and it's about that journey of staying with the music. You wrote a book? Got me home. I did. Oh, cool. Yeah. Okay. And then, after West Point was school, so for seven years, really hardly attended church. And I wouldn't say we ever lost our belief or lost our faith. It was just a really crazy, busy time of life. And, and hadn't yet had that really personal experience that we got in that church in Georgia where we kind of internalized it that, yeah, this is, this is fun to do. This is what we want to do as opposed to this is what we're supposed to do. Is that church affiliated with any particular type of religion? Yeah, it was Assemblies uh, of God. Okay. And, uh, you yeah, know, as you might imagine, that beautiful music, Wonderful musicians. I, I ended up being part of the, the musician, musicians over time, and uh, just really enjoyed that. Awesome. So that molded our, you know, 
kind of where we are today. Just I think the uh, theology of assemblies of God, you know, we we believe we, we accept it as you know it's mostly right. Probably nothing's perfectly right if man made it, but uh, there's nothing they, that they believed in that we didn't believe. In, I guess I'll put it that way. Okay. So are there any are there any spiritual experiences that you've had that have helped convince you that there is something else beyond this reality? Yeah, there were a couple. In that same church, when the pastor who really nurtured us retired, a, a very, I'll just say, wayward pastor came in that we didn't know. It became all about money and enough said. And I remember sitting there one night thinking, this is just not right. This is, I've never heard this message before that money was the, all we were here for. And my first experience in a true word that I could hear was sitting in that pew and said, read 2 Timothy 3. At this point in my life, I had not read the Bible through. I hadn't really know where Second Timothy was. I had to go looking. Just explain for us what that was. Was that something that you had physically heard or that you just just came into your mind? Well, it's hard to say. I don't think it was a voice or sound that anyone else heard. But to me, it was as if there was someone at my ear. Okay. That, that was the impression you, you got. Okay. Um, and Second Timothy 3 is about... Yeah, in later times, you know, men will become evil, men will become greedy, they will fall away. <laughs> I'm like, okay, I'm living it right now. <laughs> and um, needless to say, they didn't stay at that church after what I thought was a confirmation that this was no longer, you know, as holy a place as, as it should be. So interesting. So you, had, you, you felt it was wrong, then you got this confirmation to read. Second Timothy, mm-hmm. and then once you did that, you left that church. And we did. Okay. Yeah. And then what happened? Uh, we went on a bit of an adventure. Um, all we had known was a Methodist church. My wife and I grew up in the same town, same church. So um, that was the only church we had known, and, and we loved it. We loved the charismatic style of worship. We were both musicians, and so you know, if there's one thing charismatic oriented people do is they change churches a lot because you know probably not, not always the right reason you know okay the music's better over here sometimes or, but you're looking for something that you looking to connect find. yeah and then okay. you know there's got to be a leader or leaders there that you can trust and believe you know, that's the core of it um but i get we kind of became music snobs you know because <laughs> we just loved the great worship music so you, you play guitar right i do yeah anything else I dabbled at keyboards once upon a time. And what does your wife play? Keyboards and oh, cool. a fabulous singer has her own record out. Oh, nice! Yeah, I'll play that okay. for you later. Okay, <laughs> awesome. Um, so, uh, if Augusta, Georgia has one thing, it has a variety of churches. You know, visit mm-hmm. about every street corner. So, it wasn't on purpose, but we ended up exploring a lot of different denominations. Only because we were curious, is this where's our new home going to be? Right. So it probably took us two years and six or eight churches, and we finally settled in, and we'll only hold another Assembly of God church, but that, that wasn't the plan. We went through Pentecostal churches and independent churches and 
I can't remember all the others. A Baptist church. And, and again, we set out to find a home, but in the process, we learned a lot. Did you ever consider anything that was not Christian, or were they all Christian? Uh, like no, Jewish they were all, no, they're all Christian. Okay. We have learned. We, my, my family heritage is Jewish. And one of the reason, things we were seeking as we got really serious about that was a Christian church that acknowledged the role of Israel in our lives and in our history and in our faith. And, and they don't all. Right. And, and that was a, we just felt a, a lacking because I think it, it all started there. Is now a good time to ask you about the second or the, another incident that you yeah, had? Yeah, okay. sure, sure. When that man was really destroying the church, and we had heard there were some wrong things happening, finances and all that, um, there, us and another couple prayed a lot about just expose what's going on and asking God. And lo and behold, in the mail, we got a letter mistakenly sent to us. From that pastor to somebody else, uh, and it was about financial things that were taking advantage of the church. You know, I don't know if God did that, but it, it sure seemed like it at the moment. You know, so it, was, it came in the mail by mistake to you. Yeah, addressed oh. to us, but it was a, a letter written to somebody else. Okay, uh, right out of the church office. You had the church, you know, stationery okay. and everything. So anyways, after the Second Timothy three thing, it, it was it was meaningful to me. Sure, because it kind of pulled the, the story together. I, I think the neatest thing that ever happened, and I'm going to just have to give this witness for my wife because I, I was not present. But we had an older couple who we adored and they just, they loved God so much and they were a big part of our church. And us getting comfortable in that first church that we were talking about. They're just always willing to teach and talk and have us over for meals all the time. And the uh, husband got ill, and uh, I told you my wife was a singer. And she had a, a singing partner. They ran around when uh, Henry was his name. It was in his last days. Those two went. <coughs> I'll get a little choked up. Uh, and just sang to him. I sang to him in his room, and he'd come in and out, you know, of alertness. And uh, at one point, not, I don't think he was seeing them at the time, but he started talking to them about, do you see him? Do you see the, all those angels? Do you see the Lord? He's right there. It's like, whoa. <laughs> and, uh, and your wife witnessed this? Yes. Okay. Yeah. Uh, with another, I mean. Right. And uh, he passed probably three or four days later, but it was. Just, just one of those really remarkable testimonies, you know. That's awesome. And some of them's on the on the edge, you know. Right. And you know, you hear about that all the time, but it's just kind of neat that they got to just actually be in the room. You know? That's awesome. Can, can I ask you, yeah. um, you know, based upon your religious understanding right now? Yeah. And I'll use the term eschatology again. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> but if you could just explain. What your concept is of what happens when we die, mm-hmm. what happens with our souls, and uh, what judgment may or may not look like afterwards. Yeah. Well, at least what I sure 
And there's no right or wrong. Say, I understand. That's right. But part of charismatic thinking is the Bible is true, every word of it. And, and I go with that. You know, I'm too smart. <laughs> That's my wife's favorite line. I'm not smart enough to figure out which part might not be true, so I choose to believe the whole thing. <laughs> and I, I can live with that very comfortably. I certainly believe we have a body, we have a soul, we have a spirit. And death is this, the separation of your spirit from, from the body. The Bible says immediately, or at least very soon, you, you confront Jesus uh, and there's judgment. And uh, as long as he knows you, we move forward and, and, and remain in his company. So let me, if I can, interrupt you right there. Because yeah. I, I want to clarify. There's a number of different theological concepts about this. Yeah. So when you, and I'm just going to talk to you about, like, it's your thing. When you die, do you, are you immediately judged? It sounds like it to me from the Bible, you know, the phrase. To be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. So to me that sounds like it's them. So what about the um, concept, and this not my concept, but I've mm-hmm. heard it expressed before, that we simply go to sleep yeah. until judgment happens, which is at the end time. Yeah. My understanding is the body sleeps. Uh, the body is dead. And that those two words are almost the same, mean kind of the same thing. That, and, and then Jesus return, which I believe in, the body's awake. Uh, and the soul or spirit, I mean, returns to okay. the body. So the, the soul isn't sleeping, but the body is. Right. And then when we are restored at whatever we're going to call that, the end time, right. our physical body is restored. Correct. Okay. What, what determines, in your understanding, when we're judged, mm-hmm. where we go? As best as I understand it, do you know Jesus? Do you believe Jesus? And I don't like the word believe in. I mean, the devil believes in Jesus, but I believe Jesus. I, I believe what he said. And uh, I believe, you know, that that's the truth. And that's what we should live by or abide by or, you know, hold in our heart as truth. As far as I can understand in the Bible, that's, that's the single criteria. Do you believe in being judged on what you've done or not done? No, I don't. I well, believe God, Jesus did that already. Jesus took all that sin. The work is over. And so there's a lot of religions or there's, in what I view it, that there's works you must do. Your woman friends, right. you know, knocking on doors. And um, we do things because we love the Lord and we want to do things that help others love the Lord. But I very much think it's wrong to think doing that will make a darn bit of difference when I meet Jesus in the end. So when you fail to live up to those things, which we all will fail to do that, right? it's still okay if you've accepted Jesus? Or is there some degree of severity about what the failure looks like? I don't think 
that big sin is any different than the little sin. So I don't think you're separated for that. I, it's unclear to me if you truly believed and had faith at some point in your life and you're saved, just you know, charismatic word. Can you get unsaved? You know, if you denounce or change your mind, I don't know. I don't. I don't understand it, and I can't find a Bible reference that helps me with that. Some people believe once saved, always saved, and, and some believe you can lose your salvation if you know your, your heart truly changes and you now are rejecting um, God or Jesus. I'm not. I don't know. I don't have an answer to that. So, so when you're judged. Upon death, and we meet Jesus, we right. meet God. Right. What options are there? Because Catholics obviously have this place called purgatory. Yeah. What options do you believe in? Um. Um. You are judged if you believe. Uh, you're in heaven, in, in the New Jerusalem, whatever term you want to call it. I don't. I don't know that I have a grasp of what's the next step do I, do I go register or where do I go you know? right. but I, I think I think that's the sole criteria I think and, and, and as long as you get there and you recognize as someone who believes and then uh, you're on you know, you're in I hate, that's a bad phrase I hate that phrase but you know no, I understand so but if you're not to use this phrase also yeah. but if you don't make the cut so to speak yeah. Is, yeah. is the other option hell? I think it is and whether that happens then or when Jesus returns I don't understand Okay. clearly a lot of people go to hell when Jesus returns but are those who are dead without faith you know restored and then sent to hell then or you know, is there a hell right now that they experience? And I, and I don't know. I'm not sure. So this is the always the million dollar question. You said your son's a, a doc, has a doctorate in theology. Yes. So I'm sure he's probably wrestled with this too. What about people who don't know Christ, have not had the opportunity to meet Christ? Yeah. Great question, and it is a million dollar question. There's reference in the Bible that that all creation speaks of the Lord and that if you have an open heart and we just appreciate creation you may not have the right name for who created that I would like to believe that if their heart is in the right place and they know there was a creator and you know, live their life believing that that there's you know, salvation for them so believing in the creator like Native Americans, they believed in the Great right. Spirit, for example. Right. Is that okay versus believing in Jesus Christ? Yeah. You asked good questions. <laughs> I don't yeah. know. I don't know either. I, I am not positive. I, I tend to think so because they have. It seems to me, and I don't understand their beliefs very well, but they are recognizing this marvelous creation and that someone created it. And even though they may not have ever been taught the name of Jesus or had a Bible as we've had the opportunity to see believing that that creator is there and honoring and that's a good thing and we honor and respect that it seems to be the same heart that God is looking for for those who do have a Bible in their history 
So I, I would like to lean towards, you know, they go to heaven. I, I, I can't find a place in the Bible that says that clearly. So, you know, like I said, I'm not smart enough to try to. Well, these are I, read I too much. Yeah. You're a medical doctor, and not a yeah. doctor of philosophy. <laughs> so I, I know that uh, yeah. this is not. But I, res I respect what you think and how you think. What about, this is another whole different concept, Okay. what about the concept of evil? Um, I believe it's real. In fact, I've often said, and I believe, nothing makes me believe in God more than the fact that evil is so present and so evil. I mean, if there's that much evil around, I'm, I'm making, that's because there's, there's a, a God that it's rejecting. Does that make sense? Well, I guess my question is, is there, there is a God, obviously, mm -hmm. who is good and light. Right. Is there a counterpart to God that you might call Satan or Lucifer, yeah. or do you believe that concept? I do, I do. And then again, it's laid out pretty clearly in the Bible. They, they use the name Satan, uh, at least in the English Bibles, but there's probably other names in other Bibles. And came from rejecting God and trying to usurp God, and then was basically rejected from God's presence in God's kingdom. And so sent to you know kill, kill and destroy. So, and I wrestle with this: if why does God permit that? If God's all powerful, why does He permit someone to torment or mislead or tempt? creatures he's created and yeah. I, I have no great answer but I, I, I've just come to believe because we've all seen great people and young people die and like why did that happen I've, I've come to believe what happens in this life to God is no big deal the next life is what matters and so we mourn and we cry and we should and we love those people and we miss those people. But especially those that believe have so much more than we have now. Our mourning is for us. It isn't for them. And, and that's the only way I can make sense of it. That uh, while we look at it as terrible that a young person die, in God's eyes, I don't think it's terrible. I think he's... He just, there's, a, there's a purpose or a plan what happened I guess I think because I think everything God does is, has a purpose I don't think any of things happen by accident good question yeah I would have to say no since I believe you know God has a plan for us all and sometimes that's leaving this life early you, you've certainly seen young people children die mm -hmm. Do you believe that's part of a plan that, that happens? I, I don't know what else to believe. I don't believe God made a mistake. I don't think He would forget us or abandon us, you know. And so it's my belief that when that soul was birthed, God already knew when that soul would depart. And, and so part of what I said, 
it's not a big difference to him because that life goes on in many ways in a better way than it went on here. And so I guess the predetermination is what some of the religions call that. that as soon as, as soon as you conceive, God already knows where, where so, you'll be. I don't know where charismatic stand on this, but I know this is another whole topic that we don't need to get into, but it has to do with free will. Uh-huh. And whether or not we, we really do have free will or whether God has a plan and we're just following it. Yeah. Um, I think we when I read about that, my understanding of free will is you, you absolutely have the free will to believe Him or not believe Him. Whether you have a lot uh, uh, we have the free will to eat a hot dog or a hamburger today and we're probably good there. But key events that will change our heart or determine, you know, our salvation. Yeah, I, I think it's it's plus predetermined. Yeah. Let me ask you just a couple more questions yeah. about concepts that I sure come across. So I already think I know the answer to this, but where do you what do you think about the the belief that our souls are eternal, but they come back for more than one life? I think they're eternal. And I certainly hear people talk about experiences that would make you believe there can be visitations. Your your own experience sounds like that to me. And I mean, come back physically. Like oh, 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 like so re- reincarnation. Reincarnation. Although reincarnation, that word is often misinterpreted as mm-hmm. coming back as an insect or a frog. Or something. Yeah, yeah. I don't mean that way, but I mean that you can come back as another person. Yeah. I, I'm probably not there. I don't believe that happens. Do I think there can be spiritual visitation? I do. I really do. I mean, you hear it all the time. Yours is one of the most, I don't know, least dramatic, but most factual one I've, I've ever heard. I mean, it's just pretty cool. But I, I don't think that spirit is in limbo. If you don't mind me no, no. interjecting for you. Sure. I, I think God does it because He loves you. I mean, you know, you were hurting and you had a need, and he, he was, did that to comfort you. That's how we interpreted it. Yeah. What, what, what do you think our souls are doing in eternity? Oh, we're waiting. Yeah. I don't know. Uh, I, I mean, the Bible says there's a lot of praise. Uh, the angels are, you know, all gathered around and all singing. I'm good with that concept. <laughs> I bet the music's awesome. <laughs> so, I'm good with that. I've heard that the music is unlike anything you've ever heard before. Yeah. Um, that's all, that's, you know, when you read the Bible, that's the only part I remember where it describes heaven and what the people in heaven are doing. Um, I don't know what else they do, but I'm, I'm good if it's a whole bunch of praise and worship. <laughs> so, Al, I, I, that was kind of all the questions I yeah. had, but obviously I've been kind of guiding what we're talking about, yeah. so if you have other things that you want to talk or witness or say yeah. uh, to, to the folks who listen to this, you may reach the right person or whatever, yeah. why don't you go ahead and do that? Well, one thing that comes up a lot, you know, attending, excuse me, <clears throat> attending charismatic churches is there's a point where or some of the things that happen there look like emotionalism and just excitement and not necessarily God's work uh, or you know, God's intervention. I have a hard time with some with some, you know, just a 
to me, I just have a hard time believing that was God. I'm not going to tell somebody it wasn't if they say it wasn't. I mean, Are you talking about the thing we, we discussed about healing? Healing, the falling out, right, you know, right. uh, speaking in tongues, which I have had that experience, but I don't think it's something that just happens just because you want to right now. I mean, I think it's... You know, you, you've spoken in tongues? I have. Okay. But I think it's, it's when you're, you know, in prayer or worship or in the time you coast and, you know, feeling God and then it, it just kind of comes. So... I have a hard time, you know, ten twenty, right in the middle of the worship service, someone's going to speak in tongues right now. It's like I don't. That bothers me. I don't. I don't get that. You when know? you had that experience, was that something that you were conscious of doing when you were doing it? Yeah, I was. It was just this, this, just this urging. Thing. It's like, wow, you know, what was that? You know? And did anybody understand what you're saying, or no? No, no, I didn't. I didn't have that experience. Okay. I've heard of others that it was a language that someone could understand. Right. Yeah, I didn't have that. And for me, it, it was part of an, an other serious prayer. And it just became okay. part of that prayer. I have seen that too, but I, I didn't. And yeah. I agree with you. Okay. Well, that's the main thing. I mean, I, th- I think charismatic churches sometimes are castigated because it's too much emotion and not, not serious belief. And... and the first point might be true. The second point is probably not. I think those people love God so much that they get carried away sometimes. Uh, and sometimes it just feels good to get carried away. You know, I've been there and it's, you know, I kind of like when it's fun to go to church, you know. That's awesome. Yeah. But I don't believe it's a big show. I think people, yeah, people get emotional and carried away, but I think only because they love God so much. That makes sense. Good. So if you could, if you could just to close here and reach out to the one person that's listening to this that yeah. that has questions about God or questions about okay. Christ, what would you say to them? One thing cemented, you know, my belief and my love for God in my heart, and that is when I could accept the fact that God really loves me and always has and always will regardless of what I do or don't do. It's one of my phrases I've used over the years is if you don't think God does that, your God's not big enough. He's bigger than that. And when I got comfortable with the fact that God really loves me and always will, man, did my life change. (laughs) Your outlook is really, really peaceful after that. I don't have to prove anything to him. He already knows. Awesome. Amen. Well, thank you. We'll go ahead and end it there. I really appreciate it. Man, that was fun. joining me today. Thank you. (laughs) Well, that wraps up things for today. Can you do me a favor? Can you hit the subscribe button wherever you download this podcast? That way, you'll never miss an episode. And even more importantly, can you leave a review? On most phones, you just need to scroll down below the episodes and you'll see the review options. Both things will help other seekers, such as yourself, find this podcast more easily. And that's what I'm looking for, more awesome people like you. So thank you until next time.